everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. You know, friends, there is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter to transform. So I hope you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore our earthly life together. And friends, periodically, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you do have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Once again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. We're going to begin a six-day series uh, in the Bible just exploring all there is about angels. And uh, day one, we're going to look at God and angels, which is today, plus Bible study and why that's important. And then day two, we'll be looking at how angels teach us to worship. And day three, we're going to look at angels and Jesus. Day four will be the angel of the Lord, who happens to be the greatest angel of them all. Day five, we'll be in the presence of angels. And then we're going to finish up and round out day six with fallen angels. So what is the biblical definition of an angel? Well, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary, it says a messenger sent by God, man, or by Satan. And we also see angel used in the book of Revelation as a guardian or representative. And most frequently, though, angel refers to an order of created beings superior to man and belonging to heaven and to God. And you know, angels are spirits. They don't have material bodies like you and like me. They're either human in form or they can assume the human form when necessary. And God calls him, calls them his holy and his elect beings. And angels are always spoken of in the masculine gender. The feminine form of the word does not occur. So I said that we were going to look at why Bible study is important. And according to worldly standards, servants are last. But God's word tells us otherwise. Specifically in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, we're told to be diligent, to present ourselves approved to God, workers who do not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in God's kingdom, the way up is the way down. So think of an inverted triangle. Our human minds are defied by the mysteries of God. We must learn to be kind, loving, compassionate, even peaceable people who are not limited to our intellectual knowing, but rather who have experiential living. And when we live out the word of God, we're precise in our actions, no longer tolerating second best. We won't fall victim to false teachers and other false opinions. And God's truth, which is Jesus, builds our faith one scripture verse at a time. And the chief cornerstone lays the foundation for us to have a fruitful life in Christ and through Christ. 
So, you know, we've talked a lot about spiritual warfare and is it real? And, you know, we sure enough, it is real. We've learned through Paul's writings that spiritual warfare is happening and he equips us with the tools to overcome it. Since the inception of the Garden of Eden, Satan has been attempting to discredit God in man's eyes and he is relentless. Although Satan cannot harm man, he can have a direct influence upon man, which is why it's imperative to know what the Word of God proclaims. Knowing how the spiritual armor of God is to be used to fight our spiritual battles is step one. We're given five defensive weapons and one offensive weapon to use out of an armory full of God's promises and blessings. And when we recognize our real foe is not flesh and blood, then we are victorious. So then why study biblical angels? Well, many people the world over are fascinated by the idea of angels. Angels are a creation of God as are human beings. And the book of Job tells us that angels were created prior to man. As a matter of fact, Job chapter 38 verse 4 says that God asks Job this question, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? God then goes on to answer the question in verse 7, When the morning stars, and those are angels, sang together and all the sons of God, who were also angels, shouted for joy. This tells us that angels were created prior to day three of creation, and next came the foundation of the earth. And in Psalm chapter 104 verse 4, we find that, where he says, who makes his angel spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. This happens prior to verse 5, discussing the laying of the foundation of the earth. So God is sharing he created angels before the earth was formed and prior to human beings being created. An interesting point is that all angels were created at one time, unlike humans who were born and die over time. And because angels do not die, there's a set number of them in heaven and a set amount who have fallen. And the number's not exact. However, Greek at the time of the writing of the Bible only went as high as the number 10,000. So when the disciple John says in his vision, he showed him 10,000 times 10,000, we have to understand he was implying a vast multitude, which really could not be counted. And David says in Psalm 68, verse 17, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. Again, too great a multitude to know an exact number. But the Bible finds these ministers of God to be important messengers as the Old Testament references them 108 times and the New Testament references them 165 times. But God's messengers do ascend and descend up and down a ladder or portal to come to man's aid, but only after being given direction through Jesus. He is the intercessor of these messengers for us. So we've covered why Bible study is important, but if you're using this as a six-day study guide and session, let's have some ground rules for centering yourselves in Jesus. Starting with verse John, verse 
chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another, is really a great impactful verse to start out your Bible study. And then Romans is a nice addition, chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And then finally rounding out the three verses, we've got James chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And just remind your participants in your study just to have respect for each person that wants to share any angelic information because this is one of those topics that typically brings up a lot of discussion points. So I would be interested too, if you have an angel story and you want to share it, write to me. I would love to hear it and I would love to share it. And it doesn't necessarily need to be your own, but maybe it's one that you've heard. So over the course of these six days, we'll be separating biblical fact from fiction as it pertains to angels. And the only truth that we have for angels comes from the infallible and inerrable source, the Bible. And another great verse is Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, where he says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And this is how we open to the truth of God's word. Because, you know, truthfully, when it comes to angels, many misconceptions exist. The world has crafted angelic beings as these cute and fluffy servants of mankind. But that's just not a complete truth. And we'll be exploring and learning and applying the Word of God so that we may be discerners of what the truth is. And you know, Satan, our enemy, began as an angel of light, and today he still is able to deceive mankind by transform, transforming himself into light while ruling over all darkness. But God's scripture teaches us not to stop with dessert, but to make sure we're eating our vegetables and really getting sound biblical doctrine of what angels' purpose in our lives really is. So 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And God tells us angels are ministering spirits he created for protection, guidance, encouragement, deliverance, enlightenment, and empowerment for his people. And all good angels solely worship the one and true God. So what are they doing when they're out of God's throne room, you might ask? Well, stay tuned. We're going to look into that later in the week as well. And we'll also address what is Jesus Christ's hierarchy in relation to the angels? Is he always higher than the angels? And who is the angel of the Lord? And why is he the greatest? So our study will look at the role of angels in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Now that believers have the Holy Spirit residing in them, are angels still performing miracles? Or is it possible the Holy Spirit and the angels work in unison? And finally, why are some angels bad? How do fallen angels pertain to spiritual warfare? 
And we find in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we've preached to you, let him be accursed. So when false teachers or messengers tamper with the eternal destiny of a soul by preaching a false gospel, they fall under God's judgment. So now, friends, let's begin our study with the origin of angels, the source. First, we need to answer a foundational truth. Where was Jesus at the time of the angel's creation? And Genesis tells us all three members of the Trinity were active in creation. So he existed before the foundation of the earth was formed. And angels were created by a special act of God. They did not evolve into being. And God does not tell us of angels reproducing. There's a set number of angelic spiritual beings on earth and in the heavenly realm. Therefore, angels are not a race. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And this verse alone discredits the humanist argument for evolution. In the city of Colossus, the false teachers regulated Christ to an unimportant figure and said he was a created being, when in fact he is the ultimate authority as firstborn over all creation. Christ is the one creator who all things were created through and for by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, we read, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. During this time in history, people debated Paul about what held the world together. Some said water was the force, others claimed it was air, but Paul declared it was Christ Jesus. He is preeminent over all life, even the angels. Now, the method of their origin in Psalm chapter 148 verses 2 and verse 5, we find praise him, all his angels, praise him, all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Here we're seeing a divine exchange. God spoke and they praised him. And then the purpose of angels' origin in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6, we learn, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Firstborn means God's exalted status is to be worshipped as the ruler over all creation. And in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, it says something like this, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now the Apostle John is shown a vision on the throne room. Four living creatures are angels that execute judgment and lead in worship. They're involved in one of the great scenes in heaven, singing to the one on the throne. John's also privileged to hear the voices of a heavenly choir. The theme of their praise is that the creator of all things is worthy of all worship. And now the time of their origin, Job questioned God and God responded, giving us a line of sight about his timing for his angels. In Job chapter 38, verse 4, God asked, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? 
Knowing Job had not been created yet, God continued on with the details. And we look at verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And morning stars are another name for angels. God was revealing his connection between wisdom and creation as to his omnipotence and omnipresence where Job had judged God. And God had indeed created angels before the third day of the creation week, the day when God had gathered waters into seas and the dry land appeared. Through implication, God tells Job he created angels before earth and human beings were ever created. Now the nature of angels, they are spirit beings. And in Psalm chapter 104, verse 4, it says, Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire? And verse 5 tells of the earth being created. This is how we know the angels were created first. And they are invisible beings. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And you know, scholars generally agree that this passage refers to the time when Abraham went out of his way to help three strangers who were passing by his tent. Two were angels and the other was the son of God himself. So they can be visible beings too. And in Numbers 22, Balak sends for Balaam and wants to purchase his prophetic ability, wanting him to pronounce a curse upon Israel. Now Balaam was a pagan prophet who used divination to forge curses. And God told Balaam not to comply with Balak's request. He failed to listen. And once God opened the donkey's mouth and let her speak, Balaam's eyes were opened and he saw the angel of the Lord. Now, who was Balak? Balak was the son of Zippor, who was king of the Moabites. And the Moabites were afraid of the Israelites because of what they had done to the Amorites. Nebalak sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, saying, Look, a people have come from Egypt. He asked for a curse to be put upon these people, but they were too mighty for Balak. He wanted them to be driven out of the land. And God tells Balaam not to put a curse on the people of Israel because they are a blessed people. So we further read in Numbers chapter 22, verse 22, Then God's anger was aroused because he went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And then reading down all the way to verse 33, we find now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyard with a wall on the this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me 
beast three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let her live. The Lord allows Balaam to go on behalf of Balak with one caveat. The Lord allow, only allows Balaam to speak what he has told him to speak. And in Numbers 23 verse 11, then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. We are to trust God. The irony of this situation is that God allowed the donkey, who you know, are thought to be incredibly dumb animals, to see him three times. And yet the most noted seer of his day was blind to God. He had no faith. Yet when he came face to face with the realization that he was standing in the presence of the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate Jesus, he immediately fell upon his face. The word says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Worshiping the created and not the creator is idolatry. People must be reminded to stand guard of their heart and not allow the act of idolatry to penetrate it. And you know, we've said that angels are innumerable. Job chapter 38 verse 7, when morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Again, sons of God means angels. And then we have Psalm 148 verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him sun and moons. Praise him all you star of light. Angels are associated with the stars of heaven. According to this psalm, the sun praises God in its brilliance all day long. At the end of the day, when the sun sets, the moon rises and continues to praise God. The stars of light continue to worship God day and night. And you know, they possess separate and individual personalities. The angels have intelligence and wisdom. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 21 and 22, the angel Gabriel showed up to offer Daniel skill to understand. And then we see will demonstrated in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, and Jude chapter 1, verse 6. Lucifer had an eye problem. Five times he uses, I will do this, I will do that and so and so until finally we arrive at his primary goal i will be like the most high and then they have emotion first peter chapter 1 verse 12 to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into So knowing Christ wrote each word of scripture and inspired his disciples to record it should give us comfort as even the angels are curious about God's word for present times and coming events. So they are because of Adam's fall superior to men. And in Psalm chapter 8 verses 4 and 5, What is a man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than angels, and you've crowned him with glory and honor. And we find in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, But one testified in a certain place, saying, 
What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, which means holy, are all of one, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. You see, friends, humans are lower than angels because angels are spirit beings. Humans are subject to death. Angels are not. Humans are earthbound. Angels are not. Humans are subject to time and space limits. Angels are not. God's own son had to become human because of Adam's rebellion and taste death for all of humanity. Believers obtain salvation at the moment of accepting Christ and sanctification. Being made holy occurs over time as they progress in God's word and obedience to Jesus. Now they're stronger than men. We find in Psalm chapter 103 verse 20, Bless the Lord you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. And in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 11, Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. They are smarter than men. They are swifter than men. Daniel chapter 9 verses 21 and 22. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. And Daniel chapter 10 verse 14 says, Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And the chief angel, Michael, arrived on earth in response to Daniel's prayer. He had been dispatched once Daniel began praying, but had to overcome an evil angel for another good angel, which took 21 days. This is an excellent example of the faith and dedication of Daniel to never stop praying when you can't see what's happening in the natural versus the supernatural realm on behalf of God's people. And you know, angels have superiority in these, two, in these areas, and it seems to stem from these two things. First, being unhindered by a fallen nature, and secondly, being unbounded by the laws of gravity and time. So how are angels then inferior to God? Well, they're not omnipotent, which means all-powerful. They're not omnipresent, which means present everywhere at the same time, or omniscient, meaning all-knowing. Angels are said to be consistently in the Lord's presence when not performing earthly tasks, meaning they're holy and do see the Lord. 
So the characteristics then of faithful angels, we've got the archangels who we've talked about, Michael and Gabriel, they're the only two archangels. Michael means who is like God, and Michael was really active in the Old Testament times. And then Gabriel means the mighty one of God, and Gabriel's more active in New Testament times. And then we have the cherubim. Each has four faces, and Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 10 describes them this way. The face in front is as of a man. The face on the right is as, is as of a lion. The face on the left is as an ox, and the face in back is as an eagle. Each has two pair of wings. One pair spreads out from the middle of the back. The other pair is used to cover the body. They have legs of men, but their feet are cloven like calves' feet, which shine like burnished brass. They have four human hands, with one located under each wing. They travel in groups of four, and their outstretched wings of each cherubim touch those of the remaining three companions, so that they form a square. When they move, they move as a group without turning their bodies. And so what are their duties? They kept Adam from the tree of life after the fall, according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. And the seraphim, the Hebrew word literally means the burning ones and symbolically references their devotion for God because they dwell so close to the presence of God. They burn with holy brilliance. And living creatures, the four living creatures are angels who execute judgment and lead worship to the one on the throne who lives forever and ever. And then you might be asking, what about guardian angels? Well, the book of Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So the above verse makes a case for guardian angels. We don't know that various angels protect and aid the heirs of salvation. We do know that, excuse me. However, as believers, rest assured that we do have the ultimate protection, which is the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit to always aid us and be with us. And so friends, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you're looking to forge one, and I would highly encourage you to become a child of God, and then that way you know where you're going to spend eternity in heaven, not elsewhere, I would invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sins, past, present, and future of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe that today you were saved and born again spiritually. So your next step is to read God's word daily so that he can reveal himself to you and you can have an intimate relationship with Jesus. He'll be able to direct you and guide you daily. And then get into a good Bible-based church so you can surround yourself with other like-minded believers who will also edify and build up your faith in Jesus. Now, let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you've ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. 
And one of Priest Aaron's contributions that he left for us is this benediction that I'd like to pray over you as you go out into the world. It comes from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not involved in a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. And we'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, what love and action looks like, how to have peace amongst chaotic circumstances. So I invite you and your friends to consider joining me as we embark on the podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. And if you like the podcast, hit like and subscribe so that you'll get the latest episodes as they become available. And you know, friends, much of today's podcast was referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, feel free to pick up a book from my website, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Dorrance.com. But if you're unable to afford a copy of the book and you're still interested in the content, write me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you want to be a blessing to someone else who would benefit from this information, consider sharing it with them as well. So until next time, friends, be blessed and remember the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.